Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, Marie, to you out of the Passion Translation of the Bible, Psalms 91, verse 1. When you sit enthroned under the shadow of El Shaddai, you sit enthroned. Are we not seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places? We are seated with him. When you sit enthroned under the shadow of El Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me. The only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue me from every hidden trap of the enemy. Woo! Hallelujah! Glory! He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide his arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by night or by day, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil evil launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When, you live our, when, you, when we live our lives within the shadow of God's Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go. Thank God Almighty. Defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be, uh, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you have delighted in me as my great lover, I will greatly protect you. I will set you in high places, safe and secure from my face. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will find and feel my presence. Even in your time of pressure and trouble, I will be your glorious hero and give you feast. You will be steadfast with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of your salvation. Now here's the whole key to that. about to tell you. Here's the whole key. Very simple. Be in constant communion with your Father in heaven. So what does that look like? Well, when you get up in the morning, you stumble into the bathroom, into the shower, and turn on the shower, or you turn on the shower first to make sure that cold water is not splashing all over you, and it warms up. And then when you get in, you just say, Good morning, Holy Spirit. Rain down on me like this shower is raining down on me now. Father, I just love you so much and everything like that. Praise God. And Father, as I'm being cleansed right now, you cleanse me with your word today. I just thank you so much. I just worship you today. For this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it no matter what happens, no matter what comes my way today. I'm just going to trust you. I sure love you. And Father, you know, i got a couple questions I need answers to. Could you just kind of help me out with this, this, and this, and things like that? And then you get out of the shower and you dry off and you shave or if you're a man, praise God, sometimes it depends. I mean, 
Some women shave too, but praise God, amen. You know, you're just talking to the Lord the other day, and then you get in your car, and you're going on your way to work, and you put some worship music on. You don't listen to anything. You don't listen to Christian radio because all they ever do is talk. They don't play enough songs, praise God, because they're just too busy talking about their personal opinion. Praise God. And you know, you put some worship music on your iPad, and you just start worshiping the Lord as you're driving, and you're praying in the Holy Ghost. And then when you get to work and all that kind of stuff, and everybody's miserable, because they had to get up Monday morning, which they wish they would have slept in Monday morning because they partied all weekend. Praise God. Amen. And you're just talking to the Lord. You're fellowshipping with him all throughout the day. And then you get off of work and all that kind of stuff. And you're on your way at home and stuff like that. And you're not thinking about all the trouble. And you're just starting to think about him. And then you put some more praise and worship music on so that you can have peace. On the way home, no matter what you face for that day. And then when you get home, you either order a pizza or something like that. And you don't necessarily watch five hours of television trying to escape your problems. You're, you're, unless you crawl in bed with your wife or your husband and stuff like that. And you put, you know, maybe Netflix on, you know, and, you know, watch MacGyver or something like that for an hour or two or something. Like that. And, then you just, and you kind of fall asleep. And then you pray together. And then you get up the next morning. Did you hear what I said? That's fellowshipping with God every day, talking with him, speaking with him. And he says this will happen with you. No demonic forces will affect your life. Because you're not moved by what other people say they're going to do or what they're not going to do. You're not moved by your relatives. You're not moved by your bosses. You're not moved by the world because you may be in the world. You're not of the world, though. And if you do that, if you spend time with the Lord, I guarantee you, you're, uh, one year from now, if you just do what I just said, that every day you are spending time with the Lord, there will be things that the enemy has set up for you that will just disappear because you're communing with God. Why? Because he's placed you in the cleft of the rock and you're spending time with the Lord every day. Who doesn't feel like coming to church on Sunday morning? It's like the one family... There's one family, and the wife, the husband's like, Sunday morning, he worked hard, worked hard all week long, you know. He decided he wanted to sleep in, and the wife got out of bed and said, Babe, come on, you know, I'll get the kids ready and all that kind of stuff. You know, I was up early, you know, because she's a Proverbs 31 woman. She gets up early, and she prepares everything. You know, she's cooked her husband pancakes and bacon and eggs, and Pastor Marie did that for me the other day. I was amazed. Praise God, amen. She did that, and it tasted really good and everything, and the wife's like, babe, you got to get up. Come on. Nah, I'm just really tired, babe. Just go on without me. You know, everything will be okay. No, no. You got to come to church. Ah, I know. You came with me last Sunday. Come on. You know, you got to make a good habit of being in church every Sunday, you know, because it's important. That's the Lord's Day. That's the time that we make the personal sacrifice, and we go and worship God on Sunday morning and Sunday night because because, you know, we need that in our lives. Because we're living in the last days. You're like, oh, man, just leave me alone. He rolls over and things like that. And all of a sudden, you know, she's like, come on, babe. It's getting late. You got to get up. And he's like, give me one good reason why I need to go to church on Sunday morning. Because she said, you're the pastor of the church. <laughs> That's a pretty good reason to roll out of bed, you know, because when you want to, you know. I kind of slept in a little bit. I, I was like, I was about to stay home, praise God. Marie, you go ahead, honey. You know. No. I'm like, Andrew, I can't wait to, listen, I don't do thank God it's Friday. I don't do T-G-I-F. I do T-G-I-S. Thank God it's Sunday. <laughs> I'm going to come and be with some believers. I'm going to come and be some worship. I'm going to come and hear some word. I'm going to come get tanked up. To pour out during the next week, praise God, amen, because I don't want to be in the crowd barely getting along and barely, barely making it. Come along, little doggie, come along. No, I don't want to come No, come along, little doggie. No. Can't run with the big dogs, stay on the porch. I don't want to stay on the porch. Come to church. Joyfully and happily to be there with joy. Come to worship. Come to lift my hands. Come to lift my voice to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, to the Majesty on high, the Creator of the universe, the One who was and is and is to come, the Lover of my soul. Oh, I long, I long to be with the Lord. Amen. On Sunday morning, it's the most exciting place to be. Can you say Amen? Amen. So, just spend some time with the Lord during the week. 
Spend some time every single day ministering to the Lord. You know, if you'll minister to the Lord, guess what will happen? He'll minister to you. And that's good because Daddy is really good. You can tell he keeps you from evil. He keeps you from evil. He's not causing the evil. He keeps you from it. He'll, he'll keep you from you following into your weakness. That was, that was a good place to say amen. That he will keep you from falling, you falling into your weakness. He'll keep you, whatever your weakness is in your life, whatever God's delivered you from, he'll keep you from falling into it because he loves you. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give a warm, warm Life Family Church welcome. Pastor Todd DeLay, my best friend, besides Marie, very dear to me, love you. Mikasa Sukasa. Amen, amen. Come on, lift your hands up to heaven where our help comes from, and let's just thank him. Father, we bless you today. We honor you. You're a good God. You're a great God. You're a mighty God. We believe for, for the manifestations of your spirit today. We pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we may see and know all that you have for us. We expect great things to happen today. We expect great things to happen tonight. We expect great things to happen Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you're just getting better and better every day. So we honor you. We bless you in this place because you're good. You're good. You're so good to us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. How far somebody tell them I'm glad you made it to church? Oh, find somebody say, I'm glad you made it to church. And then look them straight in the eye and says, it looks like you need this. Come on, tell us, it looks like you need this. Amen. Well, we're so blessed to be here at uh, Life Family Church uh, here in Florida. This is home away from home for us. We love you guys tremendously. Tremendously, We send all of our love from our church there at Transformation Church in Seminole to you guys. It's your family there in Texas, so you got some family in Texas, y'all. And um, so I am Southern, and I'm not even going to pretend not to be. So um, if I get all Southern up on here on you guys, just go ahead and say, what did he say? Pray in the Holy Ghost, you'll get the interpretation. And because um, Jesus is Southern too, praise God. Now, hey, um, we're so blessed again to be here today. But before I really get into this message, I got a word from heaven for you guys. Um, I want my wife to come up and I want to give her an opportunity just to share a little bit what's on her heart. So you guys give her hand as she comes up today. Well, it's always good to be with you guys. We love coming to Plant City. We were flying in and thought, you know, it's just we're, we feel very honored that we get to come here. Seems like a couple times a year, but it, our hearts smile as soon as we land in the airport because we have such a connection with all of you. I was praying this morning, and uh, I know you know Hebrews 10, uh, 24 and 25, but it was strong on my heart. I want to read it to you. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more. Everybody say all the more. All the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, our services and our conferences are vital in these last days. And it seems that we should all the more be gathering and speaking of God's word. And we've had such a great fellowship with Pastor uh, Marie and Dr. Jack already. And um, But I endeavor not to just talk about what our kids are doing or talk about what our church is, but what is the Lord doing, you know, and to sharpen one another. And so that's part of our gathering. So it is, as Pastor said, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that we can fellowship with the Lord. He has a purpose, and he has somebody. And I um, just want to challenge you with this because the Lord challenged me um, while we were traveling here in the airport to make eye contact with people and to show uh, the love of Jesus with your eyes, like to smile with your eyes and like greet. And you know, you'd be surprised how many people are like, they just dart away from you, you know, but I just found it kind of fun to just like, I am going to smile at you with my eyes today and tell you, to, you know, but I mean, there's just so many different ways that we can connect and show love and in this world that is hurting so much. So uh, keep shining. Amen. Thanks for having us. Amen. So she's staring you down because she loves you. 
<laughs> Turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse number 12. Let's get right on to this today. Um, as I was praying for you guys, um, you guys are coming close to 10 years of being in existence. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? Look what the Lord has done. Oldie but goodie. And, um, man, I'm just so blessed to be a part of uh, what's going on here. But 10 years, there's some things you've got to learn. We're going on our 20th year in, in Seminole, and there's some things that we've learned that I just want to share with you uh, today. But in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 12, the Bible says this, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, now, that's important. We're going to get back to that. Have this in mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Let me say this. and I'm going to probably say it several times. But you can always tell who's mature by the ones who are continually pressing on. I'll say it again. Those who are mature are those that choose to press on. I mean, it's easy to grow weary and well-doing. It's easy to live a compromised life with Christ. But the mature of those are the ones that choose to keep pressing on. Notice Paul here, he said this twice in verse number 12 and verse number 14. I press on and I press towards. This word press, it means to pursue. It means to run swiftly to reach a goal. It means actually to drive away. So there's some things that we must press towards, pursue, run swiftly towards, and there's some things we got to drive away. One of those things is the past is in the past. And one of the things that I've learned just being in church all of my life, I was born again at the age of five, um, filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues at the age of eight. I am 49 years old. Praise the Lord. I know I don't look it. I heard, I heard somebody say that. No, I'm kidding. I'm 49 years old, going on 50 this year. And uh, after walking with the Holy Ghost for over 40 years, you just learned some things. I still got some things to learn, obviously. But I just learned some things about the Spirit-led life. And one of those very things is simply this. I must not only press towards, keep moving forward, but there's some things I got to drive away from. There's some things I just got to leave behind. There's some things I just got to let go. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you got to let it go. Come on, we got to let it go. Now, there's some things here that I really specifically wanted to talk to you guys today. And I want to ask you this question. And I know it's kind of a crazy question. You probably all have different answers. But I want to ask you this question today. Why are you here? Now, we know you, um, the Spirit of God moves here. We know that the praise and worship was amazing. Didn't the praise and worship team do amazing today? So blessed. I mean, I just had such a great time. Remind me of my Rhema days back in the day. Those are such good songs. And, and um, just, man, just, just blessed by the worship team. I mean, you know, I like the chairs in here. It's the first time I've seen these chairs. You like the cushy chairs? Yeah, thank God for the cushy chairs. We've been in different places where there were no chairs. Chickens running everywhere, no heating, air conditioning. I remember one time I preached in this place to where uh, there was a haze, just a white haze in the building. And I thought, the glory's there. And then I smelt it. It was diesel fumes because the diesel trucks are going in front of the church every day. And, um, and it was just, it was not the glory. It was diesel. And, um, and we, we've been to those kind of different churches. So we're blessed here. But why are you really here? I mean, think about it. Well, I'm here to learn more about God. I'm here to mature in the things of the Lord. And I began to ask myself that same question um, several months ago. You know, Lord, why am I a Christian? I mean, what, why? And I mean, obviously, those kind of answers uh, came up, natural, all of us, because I love you, Jesus. You know, because I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven and all those good, different basic things. But the Lord kept on pressing this inside of me. Why are you a Christian? Why do you go to church? Why do you do the things that you do? Why do you pastor? And it was just like, when I really got down to the, you know, the nitty-gritty of it, right down to the very basic of it, I didn't really ask myself, why? And really what jumped up inside of me it's simply this, because my life before Christ, of course, you know, I was born again at an early age, age of, of five and, and um, four and five in that area. And then I, I just remember going to church and, and loving Jesus and everything. I went through a rebellious time. But when I came back to the Lord, 
Hallelujah. When I came back to the Lord, I realized that my life needed to be changed. And then I began to think about just my life being changed. How many had their lives changed? <laughs> Thank God and we've been changed. And look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I know you needed to change. We needed a change. There needed to be a change on us. And I remember going through that whole process of thinking, man, I just, I'm so grateful for salvation and everything. But the really reason why I came back to church and rededicated my life to the Lord is because my life was a mess. And the reason why I came back to church, the reason why I fell in love with God again is because, again, my life was a mess and it was going nowhere. So as I was thinking about that, meditating on that, the Lord said, you, you got a hold of something. And I said, well, Lord, what do you mean by that? He said, really, you came back to church because you wanted your life better. You wanted your life better. And I'm like, that's exactly right. And the Lord began to impress in my, my heart about church, this thing called church, this thing called Christianity. The reason why we come and do what we're doing here is not to only make us better, but to do things better. Now, hold up. Now, let that sink in a little bit. The reason why we come to church is so we could become better and so we can do better. Because if we don't have church in our life, we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we know how bad it can get. Because I know I've lived with myself for a long time. I know how bad it can get without Jesus and without the, without the move of the Holy Ghost. So really the whole purpose that we come to church and we do what we do as Christians is not to lift up our hands just to worship God. Oh, that's good. But let's get down to the real reason why we are here. It's because I need to be better and I need to do things better. And that's exactly what Paul was saying here. He was saying, not that I've attained or I'm perfect, but I press on. And then he goes on, I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and says, verse 15, therefore, whenever I see the word therefore, I ask myself, what's it there for? Well, therefore, obviously, I press on. Therefore, why? It's because I want to mature. He's saying, I want to grow. I want to not be the same. I want to keep changing. I want to keep moving forward. I want to do things better. Now, this is the Apostle Paul wrote a large majority of the New Testament, did a whole lot more spiritual things than we have. And he had enough humility to say, I still need to press on. I still need to do things better. I still need Jesus. I still need to, to do the things that he's called me to do. Why? Because if I don't do them, things won't get better. So the reason why we come to church, the reason why you serve in the children's department, you serve in the different arenas here in this church, is because God has called you to be better and to do better. Hallelujah. Do, do, are you catching what I'm throwing at you? I mean, hallelujah. You know, uh, I like to fish. And, and one of the things whenever we were a little, we catch a lot of catfishes in Texas, and we love catfish. And uh, one of the things we used to do, we'd get the, the horse feed, and we would throw it out in the water, and the catfish would come up. And when the catfish came up, it was time to catch catfish. I don't know. All of you are like a cow to Newgate. Well, you know, but no. I mean, it's just, you just throw it in the water, and they come. Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm throwing some feed out to you. You can come and eat it today. Because the reason why we have this, what we call church, is so you could be better and you could do better. Now, let's look at some things here. This word maturity or mature, it's really is what's measured or we can measure maturity by what drives a person. What drives you? What, what drives you to be better? What drives you to, to do things better? What are some things that drive you? I mean, if I'm, if I'm thinking about some things in my own life, um, I, I'm thinking about I, I'm, I'm a sports guy. I like sports. Amen. This Super Bowl Sunday. Anybody knew that? If nobody knew that. Right, praise the Lord. It's, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I'm a Cowboys fan. I ain't got nobody saying amen up in here. So, I mean, I'm definitely not in Texas. But <laughs> I'm a Cowboys fan. I bleed blue. And the Cowboys didn't make it to the Super Bowl. But that's all right. But I, I, I find some things in my life. What drives me? What drives me? And uh, you can think of different things that drives you. Some guys like, um, I like hot rods. I like cars. I like watching shows about hot rods, man. I'm, uh, on the eighth day, God created the Corvette. It's not in the Bible, but I believe that. He had to rest on the, day, on the seventh day to get ready for the eighth day to create the vets. Amen. And all the four guys said, oh, me. <laughs> Anyways, I like hot rods. I like those kind of things. I mean, I, I, these are the things that drive me. But that drives my, my soulish side. 
It, it drives my will, mind, and emotions. And God created us with will, mind, and emotions. So it's okay. He created me with the desire to drive a Corvette. I like Corvettes. I love Corvettes. He created me with the desire to fish and catch big bass in lakes. I, that's a God thing. It's okay to have that. As long as those things don't take away from me being, being driven to the things of God. And this is where churches miss it. This is where believers miss it. They're so driven by other things. They take the things that God put in them for pleasure, but then they allow that pleasure that God put in them to drive them away from the very thing that they should be at. Now, I'm preaching to the choir because you're here on Sunday, but you have to think about this on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. What's driving you on a weekly basis? And those very things, is it a soulless being driven in your soul, man, or you've been driven by your, your spirit, man? Because when you're driven by your spirit, man, you're always going to be pressing towards the goal. You're always going to be pressing towards the mark, the high calling in Christ Jesus. And that, that goal that you're going towards is that I've got to find in myself how I'm going to be better and how I'm going to do things better. Hallelujah. How fast somebody say, do it better? Find somebody else and say, what? Do it better. Turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse number 17. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 17. Well, as I was asking these questions about the Lord, and he was telling me about, you know, Todd, you, you really, you're created in my image, and you need me so you could be better and you could do things better. And so I came across this, this scripture, and in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So this tells me, what am I going to do better at? What am I going to be better at? Well, here, whatever I do in word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So what is it that's going to cause us to press on or what causes us to drive forward? In everything we do, in word and deed, let it give him glory. In word and deed, whatever it is, let's give him glory. The Amplified Version says this, and whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and dependence upon him. His person, giving praise to God the Father through him. I like this translation. The New Living's translation says, And whatever you do or say, come on, somebody. Whatever you do or say. How many here can do better at doing and saying? Hello. Instead of worrying about what everybody else is doing, I'm working on my doer and my sayer. <laughs> you know, all of us as believers could be better at working on our own doers and sayers. Now, let's go on. It says here, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now, we are driven to represent Jesus in our words and in our actions. We are actually driven to do things better. That's what God's called us to do, is to do things better. Can you think of some areas in your life that you need to do some things better? Oh, can you think about some things? Somebody can also say, yeah, I got some things I need to work on. All of us here are like, yeah, we got some things that we need to work on. Well, let me help you how to work on those things. The very first one is this. The very first thing you've got to do is realize those very things that you're working on, do it unto the Lord and speak what the Lord wants you to say. Now, let's go on here. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. Well, how do we do things better? How do we do things better? We must be driven not to be ordinary. Let me say that again. We must be driven not to be ordinary. As you're turning to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, look at your neighbor and say, I know you're not ordinary. Come on, Faith. Be honest with him. You're all up in church. Be honest with him. Say, you're not ordinary. <laughs> you, oh, Lord, I live with you. I know you're not ordinary. Amen. Or, or some of y'all don't. You might not look to your labor that you don't live with and say that. But anyways. First Peter chapter two, verse number, first Peter chapter two, verse number nine says this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This word chosen means picked out and selected as the best of its kind or class. Calm down. Let me move the pulpit so you can run a little bit. Now, now check this out. You are a chosen generation. What does the Bible say about you? You're chosen. You're not weak. You're not less. You, you are chosen, and that means you've been picked out. Ha-ha. 
You've been picked out. You've been selected as the best of its kind. Or class, how does God see you? He sees you chosen, picked out, selected as the best of its kind or class. Woo! Now, let me say this. You have to be careful when you start preaching like this because arrogance will say, I'm better than you. But humility will say, I can do better than that. You see, when you realize that you're a chosen generation, you were picked out. You're not necessarily picked out to be better than every, everybody else around you. No, you were picked out of your situation. You were picked out of a family problem or this and this. And God's chosen you to be best of his kind or has chosen you and I to be better at what we do and what we're called to do. Being chosen doesn't compare oneself to others around them to determine if they're better. Being chosen doesn't compare oneself to others around them to determine if they're better. I, I've, I've found, this is maturity here. After all these years of pastoring, after all these things of being a Christian, I stopped comparing my church to other churches. I stopped comparing my walk with God with everybody else. Because if I have a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to do it better according to his will, not what everybody else wants me to do. I, I, I've, I've found this about our church specifically, and I know this is true with this church, because uh, I know there's a lot of churches in Plant City and the surrounding area. There's a lot of churches in our community too. But one thing I've learned about our church is simply this. Our church is just a piece of the puzzle. It's not the puzzle. There's a lot of good churches in this city. They might have some different ways of worship, different ways of preaching and stuff, but we're here not to compete with everybody else. We're here to do what God's called us to do, and we're going to do that better. Come on, somebody. I said, we're going to do that better. I said, we're going to do that better. Man, whenever I got a hold of this in my spirit as a pastor and as a believer, things began to change. After 40 years of being a believer, plus, I began to see things way different because I found myself unknowingly comparing my walk with other believers around me. Well, they got a miracle. I didn't get a miracle. I, I don't see how come they're pursuing, they're getting all these promotions and everything, and I'm doing everything I know how to do. And, I'm not, and that, that, that comparison is what robs us of the very power that God's placed inside of us. I, I don't, I'm not comparing myself anymore to anybody else. I'll never forget, this is a funny story that me and Dr. Jack tell about crusades. I mean, look, me and Dr. Jack are not alike in a lot of areas. Number one, I'm taller than him. So when the rapture comes, I'll beat him there. But there's a lot of fun things that we, we, we sharpen each other. I needed a best friend that was different than me. Because if I had a best friend that's just like me, we're not going to sharpen each other. We're just going to be the same all the time. And we're, we're different. We're a lot in a lot of areas, but we're different in a lot of areas. Like I will never forget one of the first crusades that I went with him on. Um, I like to press my clothes and, and all that kind of stuff before I stand before people and all that. And and um, and I was just I just was trained that way. But Dr. Jack, he decided one day that I needed to go on television, and I didn't want to go on television. Because I didn't iron my shirt, didn't have everything ready, and I just got finished ministering to some churches in the morning. And so Dr. Jack tells Miss Daphne, go get, go get a PT. He's got to go on television. And so she comes in, and Daphne comes in and goes, hey, Todd, you, you got to go on television. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm in my shorts and my T-shirts, and I say, you go tell him. Uh-uh. How many's ever been that way before? You know, uh-huh. My personality was coming out. And uh, so she came back, and she told Dr. Jack what I said, and Dr. Jack said, nuh-uh. So I hear this boom, 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 boom my door. And I opened up the door. I'm still in my shirt and T-shirts, and he goes, no, get your, t- get your shirt on, get your jacket on, get some slacks on, let's go. you got a couple minutes. And I looked at him, and I had a choice. But I realized something in the moment of that choice. If I was going to be better, I had to get around somebody that has already done it better. And so I, I made that choice in, the, in that moment. All right, I'll get that. Sh- I won't even iron the shirt. I'll just, I'll just believe that when I'm on television, the camera will not see the wrinkles. I mean, you start believing God for all kinds of things whenever you're thrown out the door in front of millions of people on television. I mean, the first thing that came to my mind, I hope I, hope I have no boogers in my nose. <laughs> all y'all thought that too. Are you... But anyway, so we're going out, getting into that. And so the whole time I learned something valuable in that lesson. God put somebody in my life to make me better. 
But I have the choice to accept it or reject it. So even in this situation, God has chosen us to be the best of this kind. I, I, I refuse to compare myself to Dr. Jack. But he's in my life to challenge me to do things better. I mean, he wears some wild ties. I don't know if y'all seen some of them ties. And it just, it just don't go with me. Um, but really, our relationship is not based on ties. It's based on our love for Jesus. So I don't have to compare myself to him. You don't have to compare yourself to anybody. But the only thing you have to compare yourself to is the image that God's created you to be. And whenever you understand that you're chosen, that God has chosen you, picked you out, selected you to be the best of your kind, you respond to situations way different now. It's easy to do things better whenever you know you're chosen. It's easy to, to look at your life and say, I can make some adjustments here. I can make some adjustments here because God's chosen me to be the best of its kind. Being chosen, again, won't compare one's life to anything else but the example of Christ. And then you can sit there and say, because Jesus is in me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, this word special, if you go on and read verse number 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. This word special, it means purchased or possession. It actually, if you were to look up this word special, it means exceptional, exclusive, elite, unique, extraordinary. So God calls you chosen. God calls you special. Look at your neighbor and say, you're so special. Come on, tell us some enthusiasm. Say, you're so special. I mean, well, God's called each and every one of us. We're chosen. We're special. We're exceptional, exclusive, elite, unique, and extraordinary. In God's eyes, your color doesn't determine your destiny in life. It, it, it don't matter. It don't matter where, how you were raised in a lower sociality, sociology, whatever you want to call it, where you didn't have a whole lot of money. And where you, or you had a lot of, it does in God's eyes, that doesn't move him. We were chosen and we've been declared special. We have to see ourselves the way God sees us. And then we start doing things better. But if we look the way our dad did things, or our mom did things, or the way my family's always been, my family's always been poor. We're just going to be poor. My uncle's poor. My cousin's poor. My cousin, cousin, cousin from Arkansas is poor. We're all poor. I mean, that's just the way things are. No, it don't have to be that way. No, you are a chosen generation. You are a special people. You don't have to live the way your parents did. Now, I'm blessed. I have some amazing parents. I mean, they, they, I was raised in a godly home. They pastor. Um, he's in his 70s. He's still pastoring. He's been in ministry a long time. I have the best parents on the whole wide world. So I don't know what it's like to not have a dad or a mom. I've always had them. But I know this much that my mom and dad did the best they could. But I have a heavenly father. That's chosen me and has made me special. That's why I want to do things better. Because he put something, he put his spirit inside of me to help me help myself. And to help me do things better. God created all of us extraordinary. Come on, look at you and say, you're extraordinary. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse number 27. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 27. This is way the book of the beginnings. For some of us, maybe your Bible still sticks together, the pages still stick together, but it's good to look at this. How did God create mankind? He created mankind to be extraordinary. Notice this. Verse number 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Verse 28, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the flowers fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. There's two things that God did. He created man in his own image. Now let me ask you this question. Is God ordinary? Is there anything ordinary about God? There's nothing ordinary about God. So guess what? We were created in his image. We shouldn't settle for ordinary. Come on somebody. We shouldn't settle for ordinary. Now let me just, let me just, oh I don't want to get too far ahead. I'm going to say, Verse 28, then God blessed us. So he basically created us, created us in his image, which means we were not created to be ordinary. But then he empowered us. He blessed us. 
God blessed mankind and gave them an extraordinary life. And Adam, actually, he was proof of this blessing. If you go down to Genesis chapter 2, verse 19, let me show you how extraordinary Adam was before sin. Check this out. Of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Can you imagine Adam naming every creature that was created? That is extraordinary. In fact, many scientists believe that there's over one million different species that have been created. So Adam sat there with an extraordinary life given to him by God himself, and animals would just walk up to me and name him this, name him this, name him this. I mean, whenever I see a lizard, I say lizard. But when I see a crocodile, I say crocodile. And depending on what other country, part of the country, that's an alligator. But Adam had millions of species to name. How many know that is extraordinary? I mean, sometimes I can't remember all my kids' names. I can't remember. I mean, I got two. I got three kids now, and then they've got. When I mean kids, because I got two sons that are married now, and my oldest son's got. I got two grandbabies now, and I mean, it's getting to where our family, our family is getting bigger and bigger. I mean, remember grandparents that wouldn't even remember your name. Well, you were this, and they missed you. I mean, well, human beings, in a human way, we we forget things. But God's created us with an extraordinary life. He He calls Adam. To have this extra, he blessed him with the ability to name everything. Now check this out. We know this. John chapter 10, verse number 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So basically Jesus is saying, well, Satan's going to try to steal what? The extraordinary life that God's created you to be. He wants to try to put ordinary back in you. Come on. He wants to try to make you just an ordinary, Bible-believing, praying Christian. It comes to church whenever they can. It gives whenever it's possible. I'm just going to be, and then he disguises it as humility. In really all actuality, you're missing God's plan for your life. God wants you to do much more than that. Thank God you do go to church because, I mean, your life before, you needed church. But you can't just stop there. you got to keep doing things better. God's enabled us, empowered us, blessed us to do things better. So don't let the world, don't let Satan tell you that you're just average. And it's okay to be average and ordinary. You are not ordinary. Come on, somebody. You are not ordinary. God has not called you to be ordinary. In fact, Satan wants to steal the extraordinary out of you. In fact, in Genesis chapter 3, let me show you some things. You've heard this story. Verse number one. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall, you will not surely die. For God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. The reason why Satan tempted mankind is so he could make them ordinary. It was not only to take them out of the relationship with God and all that. All that's true. But think about it. God created human beings to be extraordinary. And then Satan realized that he was no longer extraordinary. He got the boot. He got kicked out. And so he realized that, hold up, they're more extraordinary than me. So if I can tempt them to sin, if I can tempt them to get out of their relationship with God, I'll take the extra and make them just ordinary. So Christians were created by God himself to be extraordinary. Come on, to be extraordinary. Don't let Satan deceive you to where you think it's okay to be ordinary. There should be nothing ordinary about our lives. <laughs> there should be nothing ordinary about our lives. There should be nothing ordinary about this church. There should be nothing ordinary about your walk with God. Now, I know this for some of you, this is a new way of thinking. But think about it. God created you to think that way. 
to think extraordinary, to think not average, to not think ordinary, to not think just, uh, just try to get by every month. Just hope God answers my prayer this time. No, you are created to be extraordinary. Now, let me say this. In John chapter 8, verse 44, y'all getting anything today? All right, good. John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus said this, but you are the father, the devil, and he desires of your father you would want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and stands and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan uses deception to make us ordinary. He's going to lie to you. He's going to try to convince you that you, can, you don't have to do that extra job or you don't have to do that extra extra at work just get it done and get out of here he's going to try to tempt you to not take the extra step to do something better my grandfather who worked in the oil business for many many years he told me this he said todd you'll never have to ask a raise if you showed up to work early and you leave late you'll never have to ask for a raise now, that's old school. That's, that's old school, like 40s and 50s, like old school, work hard kind of thing. We got to bring that old school back because there are a lot of Christians showing up to work late. That, that's even below ordinary. Worldly people that party can go to work on time. Now, I'm by no means saying we're better than worldly people. That's not because God loves them as much as we should love them. But there should be a higher standard for us as believers. Why? Because he put the extraordinary in our ordinary. Amen. Why? Man, let me me help you get to work on time. Set the alarm or five alarms or ten alarms earlier. I got three yes and mmm. I mean, it's like a wow revelation. Or, or go to bed earlier. And I know your pastor does great at telling you guys this, but it's, it works. It, it's legit. It really works. What this tells me, if I really want to do things better, and God's called me to be extraordinary, I've got to put effort in it. And let me tell you, the benefits of it is amazing. Because God's equipped us to do this. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 11, you can turn there if you like, but let me just read this to you. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. It is the desire of Satan to cause us to be ordinary. And the desire to be ordinary is proof that Satan has taken advantage of us. Oh, is this too much revelation for you guys? You guys okay? Can you handle this? I know there's not a whole lot of preaching, but I want you, I'm, I'm laying a foundation here because you got to understand Satan wants you to be ordinary. God wants you to be extraordinary. And when you feel like it's okay to be ordinary, Satan has tempted you. Just like he did Adam and Eve with an apple. He, he give you that ordinary apple so you could be tempted because, man, Satan had, I, I mean, Adam had, all authority over everything God made. And then Satan came up with a little apple and tempted him with an apple. And as simple as he, Satan can come and just tempt you with the littlest things just to make you ordinary. Jesus Christ, hallelujah, has given us back the extraordinary life. Come on, I said Jesus gave us back the extraordinary life. In Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, speaking of Adam, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. We've been declared innocent of our former life. We've been given the life of God. That is an extraordinary life. That extraordinary life causes us to rule and reign in life. That means when you rule and reign, you're above, not below. When you rule and reign, you dictate the outcome. Come on, let me say it again. You dictate the outcome. The problems doesn't dictate the outcome. The situations you face doesn't dictate the outcome. You dictate the outcome. You have authority and power. You have the right to reign. You have an extraordinary life. Tell the problems. Tell the situations. These don't move me. I have an extraordinary life on the inside of me, and I'm going to move forward. I'm going to do things better. High five someone say, I'm doing things better. Come on, high five someone say, I'm doing things better. 
In Romans chapter 5, verse number 17, the Passion Translation. Death once held us in its grip, but by the blunder of one man, death reigns as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life? Enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in one and only Jesus the Messiah. In other words, just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression, so through one righteous act of Jesus' sacrifice, the perfect righteousness that makes us all right with God and leads us, come on, and leads us into a victorious life is now available to all. Come on, somebody say, I got the victory. I got the victory. So whatever you're facing, you already got the victory because Jesus has already made a way for you to have the victory. And that extraordinary life is a life that you see things from a victory side and not a losing side. An ordinary person can, can be tempted by, well, we could lose this, or we could not win this, or this could not happen. This. No, an extraordinary person sees it from the victory side. No, God's already given this to us. Let's go get it. I know that was Southern, but y'all understand, well, it's time to go get it. I mean, in other words, it's time for you to obtain the promises of God. No, it's time for you to get what's yours. High five someone say, go get what's yours. Come on. High five someone say, get what's yours. Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord to move. I'm waiting for a prophecy. I'm going to prophesy with me. I believe in all that. That's good. We can, there's waiting and prophesy. But I mean, there's times when you got a promise from the Lord. Don't wait for somebody to prophesy. Go get it. I said, go get it. Man, if you don't, don't, it's yours. Extraordinary people don't wait for something to happen. They get what's theirs. Mm. Mm-hmm. I hear that Hammond B3 back there. Ah. Ooh, I got some preachers in the, in the floor just flipping those, those hankies at me. <laughs> We've been empowered to live an extraordinary life. Check this out. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing and heavenly places in Christ. You are blessed. Just like Adam was blessed. You are blessed. And what is that blessing? The extraordinary life. Refuse to be ordinary. Come on. Refuse to be ordinary. High five somebody right now and say, I refuse to be ordinary. Well, I refuse to be ordinary. I won't be ordinary. Not going to be ordinary. There's nothing ordinary about God, so I'm not going to be ordinary. I'm going to let the extraordinary life flow out of me. The life of God's on the inside of me. That's an extraordinary life. I expect extraordinary things to happen to me that just blow my mind. They just poof. That's God. Woo! I got to tell my fishing story. How many like fishing stories? I love fishing stories. Y'all check this out. So some of the things that the Lord's been telling me uh, lately, and we kind of talked about briefly at a meeting yesterday, but um, the Lord has told me to be more deliberate at being happy. I mean, you, know, you have to be more deliberate to being happy. And I knew exactly what he meant by that. It wasn't necessarily like go to a Holy Ghost meeting and laugh. That was, we believe in that. But it was more than be deliberate to be happy. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. I've been working on just being more happy. So everywhere I go, I believe in for a party everywhere I go. Come on, I mean, anyway, some of y'all are like, what? I'm a part happy? So the Lord just kind of worked on me about that. And so I was deliberate in buying a bass boat because that makes me happy. God blessed us and da 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 da. So I like to go bass fishing. I don't do it all the time. I'm pastoring, but when I do, I just I like to get on a boat by myself. Put my trolling motor in the water and just go and catch me some fish. That's southern. Man, I sound all southern up in here. But anyways, so I'm up here. I'm casting and reeling. I'm just talking with Jesus. Had the best time with him. I mean, he, I mean he's amazing. Let me just, just the Holy Ghost is amazing. So I'm, in, I'm just fishing, and I'm having a good time. And I was actually fishing in an area where I, I've never, ever, ever caught a fish before. You know, good fishermen know where, to, where the fish are at. And so they go to the same places, and they, they mark it. I don't have a... Um, a depth finder, fish finder yet that has that, but I will. But you can mark it on your GPS, and you, the boat will take you there. It's really fancy stuff, but I'm not there yet, but I'm headed there. And um, so I was just casting, just praying to the Holy Ghost, just talking to God. He's talking to me and everything. And then lo and behold, mm, 
my rod and reel went, whoa. It was the most amazing feeling I've ever felt in my life. When I, it literally, it almost kind of came out of my hand. I'm not, it's not a, like a real fish story, but I mean, this is, like, this is not like you would think a fish story like he's over-exaggerating. This really happened. When we get to heaven, I'll show you the DVD of it. Because it's just me. It was just me and the Lord. And, and man, my pole went like that, and my reel almost came out of my hand. And so I just, I was like, yeah, baby. So, I mean, I'm starting to reel, and it's like it, my drag line was going out as I'm reeling. So, I mean, that's a big old fish. And I'm thinking, I'm by myself. Where's the net? That's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm like, so I'm reeling. I'm like, all right, Lord, let's not break this line. I was speaking to the line on my, on my fish. Don't you break in Jesus' name. Don't you break. And, I mean, he's fighting, and, and uh, it comes up out of the water. So when they come up out of the water, and all you see is mouth, you say, thank you, Jesus. Because he just came up, and he's it's like, it's like Matrix. When he, when he come up out of the so y'all don't fish enough around here. But anyway, so he comes up out of the water. He's like, ah, comes back in the water. I'm like, whoo, it took my breath away. I'm like, go. And I, this is all. So I'm really, I get him up to the boat. And I'm looking at him like, don't you break. Don't you come. I'm speaking to this fish. You're going to get in this boat. So I'm, and I'm holding it. He's sitting there doing my rod and reel. I'm holding my, and I'm looking around for the net. So I'm like, man, I, I'm just going to flip him in the boat. So I just went. I flipped him in the boat, and he bounced in the boat, and it was a whale of a fish, it seemed like. But it was a seven-and-a-half-pound bass. Woo is what I did. Now, this was like on a Thursday, and there really wasn't anybody else at the lake, but you could hear this white boy yelling for, Hallelujah, Jesus! And, I mean, this fish is in the boat, and I'm sitting there going, Oh, my gosh, I'm shaking. I'm, sh- I'm like, I've never caught a fish that big in my life. I'm just like, hi, glory. To J-. I'm like, huh? And then I'm, I'm breathing. I'm seeing him in the boat. He's kind of flopping. He's looking at me. And I'm looking at him going, I got you. I got you. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm having the best time in my life. And then, so I'm taking pictures. I'm taking selfies. Like, you know, I'm shaking, taking selfies. <laughs> and, so, and so there's a friend of mine that has a cabin kind of by us. And he goes to our church. And. He happened to be there, and I thought, there's no way I'm throwing this fish back in the water because my sons would not believe that I caught this fish. So we got to get, because the fish, the, the selfie that I took, all, it's so big, and I was shaking so much, you can't even see the fish hardly. And so I'm like, no, I got to do better. So I drive my boat over to where this guy's at, Johnny Powers, and, um, and Johnny, Johnny, he's become up, and um, they're fishing and everything. I was like, dude, I caught a fish. He goes, really? He said, well, let me get my weigh So he weighed it. It was like seven and a half pounds, like I said. And I said, dude, you got to take a picture because my boys will not believe I caught this fish because my family is kind of competitive. And as of right now, I got the biggest fish, y'all. So my middle son's got a three-pounder, and Ben's got a four-pounder. I got to say, I almost doubled his. So anyway, so I've got, I've got a picture of this. I'm texting my boys and everything. And I was just like, oh, it's so good. I'm driving back to the cabin and um, just had the best time. And then the Lord just reminded me. He said, if you just spend time with me, I'll do the extraordinary for you. I wasn't, re- I was literally, I was fishing in an area that I wasn't even, I've never caught a fish there before. And I believe that if you just work on doing things better, God will take care of the extraordinary. Uh, so many times we're so striving for trying to do and, and all this, and we should do things better, but it's only because we want to do it to please him. And in pleasing him, we want to make ourselves better. Because I want to please him. I want to do everything in word and deed to bring him glory. And so I will never forget, that, even to this day, I look at that that. that that fish that I caught. And did I let it go? Yes, I let it go. You know why? Because he's going to get nine pounds. And I'm going to revisit him someday. Come on, when they get bigger. And, um, but we just got fishing a couple weeks ago, and I caught about 12 bass, and we ate like good. Anyways, it's lunchtime. i got to stop. This is the thing that we have to always realize, that if we're pursuing God, and we're always wanting to make our lives better and to do things better, he'll show up with the suddenlies. He'll show up with the extraordinary. Let him take care of that. You work on you. You work on doing things better. He'll take care of everything else. Come on, somebody. He'll take care of everything else. Second Peter chapter 1, verse number 3, and I'll close with this. As his divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life 
and godliness through the knowledge of him who's called us by glory and virtue. We are driven to do things better because he's put his divine power in us to live an extraordinary life. It's in you. His power is in you not to be ordinary. His power is in you to be extraordinary. I'm telling you, on the other side of you making the decision today, right now, I'm going to do things better, is your miracle. Right on the other side of you saying, my life, I'm going to to make some changes in my life. I'm going to do some things better. The moment that you make that decision, God's like, I've been waiting for you to do this. I've given you this power. I've given you this authority to rule and reign in life. I've been waiting for you to rule and reign. Right on the other side of you saying, I'm going to do this better. You watch the miracles that's going to come. So many of you have fought and fought and fought, and you've been trying this and trying that and trying this. Just, just, just know this. Pick one area and make it better. And try to fix, instead of trying to fix all the areas. Fix one area. Come on, just fix one area. Work on one area. Make it better and then keep going on. Keep moving forward. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, we're going to do it better. Come on, find somebody else around you and say, neighbor, we're going to do it better. How many is going to do it better? Amen. We're going to do things better all the way around. We're going to do it better. And next thing you know, you're going to be out on a boat catching an eight-pound bass. Come on. And then you'll be texting me a picture of it, and I'm going to have to go out there and one-up on you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we're, it's all about pursuing God, taking that one thing and make it better. Make it better. And then once you get past that one thing, do, find some, do something else. The Holy Ghost will tell you. And do it better. Don't be so overwhelmed trying to change everything. Work on one thing. And God will do the extraordinary for you. Hallelujah. Bow your heads. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Lord, I know that your spirit moves in just profound, amazing waves. And Lord, I believe that right now, in this moment, revelation, the move of your spirit through revelation has taken place. Holy Spirit, I know that you've already begun to talk to people in this place about that one thing to do better. So, Father, I ask that you reassure them, let them know that they have the power to overcome, the power to be victorious over that one thing. And God, I know, just like you did for me at Possum Kingdom Lake with that seven and a half pound bass, as I was pursuing you, you blessed me, Lord. And so, Father, I thank you that you bless those that are pursuing you. You bless those that are making the decision to do that one thing better. Lord, overwhelm them with your goodness. <laughs> overwhelm them with your goodness. Overwhelm them with your goodness and your greatness, Father. I'm asking you. Father, move mightily in this church. Move mightily in these people's lives. Lord, they, they, they're hungry for you. They want more of you. But Father, reveal to them that one thing that they need to do better and equip them to overcome that one and work on another one and overcome that one and work on that and keep doing it better and keep doing it better and keep doing it better and seeing the victory on the other side, seeing the miracles on the other side. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, just do this. Stand to your feet right now and just lift up your hands and just begin to thank him for this extraordinary life. Come on, your voice is your address in the spirit realm. If you're silent, the UPS man can't get to you. So you got to say something. So if you want your miracle coming to you, you got to say something. So, Father, thank you right now. We bless you. Come on, we honor you, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you're sending us, hallelujah, miracles, signs, and wonders. You've made us to live an extraordinary life. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your power. We thank you, Lord. We're victorious. We're doing things better. We make that commitment right now. In the name of Jesus, we're going to do things better. We've we've forgot the past. We're leaving the past behind. From this day forward, we draw a line in the sand. We're not going back. We're going forward, and we're going to do things better. Hallelujah. Doing things better. Come on, let's pray in the Holy Ghost for a while. Doing it better. Doing that one thing better. Thank you, Lord, for joy. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. 
the extraordinary life coming to us now in Jesus' name. Brosi, kisa manda robrea nda. Heke simbrosi. Then the barabraikea bakose. Then the basokola brosi bikia. Siki dine mana brote baki. Thank you, basi bikise. Rose manana rabaki. Thank you, loboko so brote. Hina brotea mabaki. Si makose barabrotea. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Yeah, hallelujah. Greater, greater, man, greater, greater, greater things are going to be happening. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, greater, greatness, greatness coming forth, flowing out from this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not just an ordinary church, an extraordinary church doing extraordinary things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sure, persecution. Sure, those things will happen. It's just part of it. But, oh, we're called to be greater. We're called to do greater. Hallelujah. Not with arrogance, not with pride. Oh, with humility, knowing it's you, God. It's you, God, that's making us that way. It's you, God, that's helping us. And let us be just an amazing piece of the puzzle. Hallelujah. Equipping us, Lord, to do what you called us to do. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We bless you. Come on, one last time, let's thank him. Come on, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. God, you're so good. We bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated, Dr. Jack. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, PT. It's awesome, wasn't it? Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week. And remember, the best is yet to come.